0: Welcome to Recruiting in Action, a podcast focused on the future of the recruitment industry. Each week, you will find me, Liran Kutzel, CEO of Woo.io, in conversation with leading professionals in the recruitment sector. Thank you for joining us. Hello, everyone. Join me on the Recruitment in Action podcast, and this time we have Robin Beatty as our guest. Robin is a managing director at Spinks, a leading tech recruiting agency based in the UK. Spinks is part of Harvey Nash Group, a global tech recruiting agency operates from more than 40 offices covering the United States, Europe and Asia. With more than 20 years of experience in the recruiting industry, overseeing how this industry is evolving, Robin is here to speak about some interesting trends going on in the recruiting market and he will be happy to discuss with us about how this market is evolving and how technology is contributing to those changes. Hi Robin, I'm glad to have you here.
1: Hey there Liren, good to have you. And thank you for that warm introduction, much appreciated.
0: Yeah, with pleasure. So thank you for uh, um, coming and being with us uh, for that great episode. And as for start Robin, uh, maybe you should, uh, can you give us some quick introduction about Sphinx, the company you work for, which is part of Harvey Nash Group and about your specific role within Sphinx, which is very interesting as far as I know.
1: Absolutely, Liren, so thank you. Yeah, so I'm the managing director of Sphinx. Sphinx is a division of the Harvey Nash Group, as you rightly pointed out. We focus on the startup scale-up tech sector. Uh, so a lot of the fast growth tech organizations, those who are really disrupting uh, their sector and we're predominantly, as you rightly said in the UK, although we're actually also now in other tech hubs such as uh, Stockholm and Berlin as well. Um, being part of the Harvey Nash Group, Harvey Nash Group is a big international staffing brand, as you said, over 40 offices, 34 countries uh, with over sort of three and a half thousand uh, staff. And I, I absolutely my role is that of, of managing director. So uh, it's, I'm very fortunate to work with just shy of 50 employees within Sphinx across our UK geographies, um, Stockholm and, and Berlin and Warsaw as well. And um, I think what Sphinx, how Sphinx is probably very different from uh, maybe other recruitment and staffing organisations is we were really embedded in the tech community. Um, You know, pre-COVID, we hosted over 40 to 45 live events in the UK in one year, so almost one a week. Um, And obviously, uh, since the lockdown and there's no sort of uh, face-to-face meetings, we've moved a lot of those online. But we, we do a lot of that to give back to the
0: tech community. And how does this, this go with the, the live, the online event? Is it still popular, like uh, the offline? <laughs> do, do you know what it, it is? We we
1: move very quickly to, to the online event. Um, Once we uh, experienced the first lockdown here in the UK, uh, it, it's hard, you know, in, in respect to, there's nothing better than a face-to-face event where you've got lots of people there in an audience. Um, yeah. You've got some fantastic speakers. And, and, and let's be honest, a lot of our clients and candidates come to those events for the networking that they enjoy that part you know and obviously yeah. you can't do that online but some of our events have actually been more successful online so we do uh, a lot of different events uh but some of our events such as our technical events so we have a php zend event uh we have a devops uh, event as well actually they've had a, a wider audience uptake um online because obviously it can reach a, a bigger Number of of, of people um, partaking.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's the that's a very unique approach of uh, you know uh, getting your um, your candidates through those events and um, and bringing and contributing uh, value for them. This is a very unique and very interesting one. Um, we will speak more about it uh, later. Yeah. But um, one interesting question, I I know that you are more than twenty years <laughs> in the recruiting space, right? So. It will be interesting to hear how you got into this space and what keep you in that industry for more than 20 years. Yeah,
1: yeah. Many people have told me I'm mad <laughs> for, for staying in there almost, well, over two, 20 years now, as you say. Um, and it's just, it's almost 20 years within Sphinx itself, which is which is really unusual. It, well, it, it, is, it yeah. is not that common in the UK. What's kept me there? Um, I, I think I, I got into it by chance. I came uh, back from Australia and one of my, close friends told me that you know if you if you think you're you know good you've got to get into it recruitment it, it was just before the dot-com uh and the millennial um so it was really interesting like late 98 early 99 to get into that good timing Martin, good timing yeah yeah exactly yeah it was uh, um and i think i love that i love the challenges i love that every day is different. Honestly, every day is different. And, you know, we've seen um, some real downs. You know, we had the dot-com uh, crisis in 2001, 2002. We had the credit crunch uh, in 2008. And of course, we've had the, the pandemic um, in in 2020. But we've also seen some real yeah. ups, uh, usually actually following quite quickly after those. So, you know, 2002, 2003 was, was a boom time, uh, as was 2009 to 2011 and fingers crossed we're going to see another boom as we as we all the whole world eases out of this um awful pandemic
0: yeah no definitely um um for you as someone that uh, spent more than 20 years in that industry you definitely saw some quite big changes going on in that industry <laughs> um and i wonder like you know, in that uh, we know that the, you know, staffing agency is a very challenging business, right? It's a highly competitive market uh, with a lot of things changing and uh, constantly. And, you know, from your experience, when you look today on that business, on the staffing business uh, versus 10 years ago, what has changed? Like, what are the main things that has changed?
1: Wow. Um... i I think there's a lot of changes i I think i'd like to think that we are closer and more informative for our clients than we were 10 years ago i I think we still provided a a great service 10 years ago but i I but i'd like to think that we provide a deeper richer level of service now you know um our our clients come to us at sphinx and they really want our our knowledge our expertise You know our insights into the market into you know especially in the in the startup scale up world that we that we're in um startup if you're a startup business hires are absolutely integral to how your business is going to grow you know you may have the best product you may have good investment but if you don't hire the right people um, it it may never really take off so they need to be able to know that they can they've got an organization that genuinely cares that enjoys being in that space, that has experience of working with companies in that space, um, and I think we offer a lot more than just recruitment. In fact, that, that's that's definitely a big part. I think maybe ten years ago it was potentially more transactional. Um, you know, it was more we find a good candidate for you and we place that candidate. I, I think we we see ourselves a lot more now as growth consultants, where we generally are interested in how that business is going to grow and what we can do to help that business grow rather than whether we can play, say, you know, a DevOps or or, or a backend
0: engineer with them, for example. Yeah, uh, and, and, and I think that 10 years ago, when you think about it, like 10, 15 years ago, uh, when you started your career in that space, uh, basically there was no LinkedIn, there was no repositories for companies to approach candidates, right? So the added value of agencies with having their own database to approach was very clear and what you're saying now that's not that's not a key advantage anymore and you have to reinvent yourself right absolutely more value
1: and i think that's why you know it goes back to why am i still in this business in 20 years because we constantly evolve you constantly have to have to do that and reinvent yourself as you say um you're right Uh, but but also many many people have sort of foreseen the end of the recruitment staffing agency many times you know everyone said the advent of linkedin is going to be the end of of staffing businesses yeah. um or the credit crisis is gonna is gonna kill it all off and, and it hasn't you know it has obviously you know some businesses have, have gone but those that have evolved those that have constantly tried to reinvent themselves are still um as as c- credible and critical to businesses as, as they were before and i think that's one of the things that we've definitely done within spinks
0: so uh robin you mentioned you know um that the stuffing industry is quite a, um, a difficult uh, um, uh, industry and and the business is very challenging in that you know highly competitive market uh, with a lot of things changing um from your experience when you look to date at the stuffing business and you mentioned that it needs to reinvent itself in order to keep survive those changes what would you define as the core, the key changes that that industry is facing?
1: Yeah, so I, so I think we've, we face a lot of challenges, um, especially, as I said to you, th- this year. Um, you know, if I go back to March, when we first went into a lockdown here in the UK, you know, we working in the startup scale up space. Um, a lot of our clients paused hiring. Quite quickly, you know. So, some of the clients within the Harvey Nash group, the more corporate based clients, they continued for a short period. But a lot of our clients, you know, they're, they're smaller agile businesses, they just put a pause. Um, so, uh, there were a lot of challenges that our clients faced and they kind of asked us to help them find solutions, you know, how to hire remotely. Most of our clients didn't know how to do that, you know. And it seems yeah. crazy now, you know, what, nine months on, because Almost every business knows exactly how to do that. But back in March, they didn't. Um, so, yeah. you know, the idea of an hiring someone without a face to face interview or hiring someone without that person going to their offices was really, really unusual. And then I think also there was a, a another challenge, which was about, OK, you may want well to hire someone, but what about onboarding someone remotely? Because, again, that was unheard of. So those were real challenges. Um, and I think then there were challenges to for for our clients in some of the sectors they were in. So you know we have we have a, a wide portfolio of clients, and whereas some of our organization, some of our clients were in the the med tech or the ed tech or even e commerce, and they saw some real booms. We also had clients in the travel and hospitality sector that were you know devastated back in got the
0: direct hit, yeah,
1: yeah, March and April. Um, and then I think, so that was from an external perspective. From an internal perspective, it was equally as strange because all of a sudden we were managing teams remotely. And, and you know, in, in recruitment quite typically, especially I think maybe definitely for the UK market, you were expected to be in the office five days a week, you know, nine hours a day, that was just kind of the, the norm. And literally over the course of a week, all of a sudden we were all working from our our homes you know so how were we going to manage our business remotely manage our teams remotely how did we how did we make sure that we were keeping our teams motivated um how do we keep you know the culture embedded across all locations you know we we were no longer three locations we were yeah, you know, fifty-three locations. Um, so those those were definite challenges that we that we faced.
0: And what and how did you face those challenges? Can you share some insights regarding what you learned? Uh, I'm sure that now you're more adjusted to the to the new situation, right? Because Absolutely. you're still on. Otherwise, yeah. you wouldn't be on. Um, so uh, it will be very interesting to to hear from you what you learned. Like what are the yeah. cheap things that you even think that will continue continue even after the COVID. Yeah, uh, uh, will so, be so, behind
1: behind Yeah. So what did we do? So obviously, we, we, we moved almost wholly as a business to Microsoft Teams. Uh, and we had that set up. Um, so that was a, a huge benefit that we had that in place um, and ready to go. Um, we, we went virtual with our meetups, as, as I mentioned. Um, so we actually um, moved that very quickly over we did we organized a lot of virtual beers virtual coffees virtual catch-ups water cooler moments with our teams where we talked you know we made sure that the talk wasn't about work and actually about them their well-being mm-hmm. you know how they were getting on um but we also did the same for our clients and and actually that was that was really refreshing Liren and that's something that I, I think you know if you talk about what do we want to continue the pause gave us time because it was a pause yeah, back in March and April, there was very little hiring going on. And obviously the pandemic was 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 really quite severe here in the UK at that point. Then. And yeah. there was a lot of a un- lot of uncertainty, but it gave us time to really check in with our clients, with our candidates. And again, we asked how they were. So it wasn't about business. We were genuinely interested in how they were, how their families were, how they were coping in the lockdown and and what could we do as a business to support them if if we could anything you know and those continued as we kind of eased out of the the first lockdown a lot of those same clients and candidates wanted to know what the market was like what are we seeing and of course you know we are a litmus for for that you know we can see probably a few steps ahead what we think the market is going to look like you know yeah. is there going to be this and unfortunately, we we saw very early that there wasn't going to be this V-shaped bounce back that some of the press were still talking about, about in April. You, we could see it was going to be it was going to be longer, uh, unfortunately. But equally, we could see that the technology sector was more robust than others, and we could see that actually, you know, an, an interesting fact that we had was none of our none of the people that we had placed within our clients uh had actually been furloughed. So lots of people in the UK were furloughed through businesses, but yeah. very, very few in the software engineering or the technology teams. And I think that's that's just said Yeah, it just showed that they are core to those businesses. And again, you yeah. know, think of the nature of our clients. They are those startups and scale ups where the software engineering part of that is almost the beating heart of, of a lot of those organizations. Right. So, so a lot of our clients, we were able to show them that actually, that although that the path was tricky, there there were still opportunities, um, and those opportunities would continue as we eased out of lockdown. We also we created a we we, we created a, a, an actual a platform called Your Tomorrow because we realised that a lot of people were being made redundant. So, we published stories of people across the world, literally. I think we had Singapore to Seattle um, of people who found new roles in technology and they didn't need to be via Sphinx or via Harvey Nash. It was anyone who found a new role in technology. Tell us your story. Tell us how you got it. We just wanted to get some good news out there, you know, but also we wanted hopefully to help those stories that they were going to inspire other people who had been furloughed or made redundant. And I think also we wanted to showcase the tech world and say it's a great community. Hey, if you haven't been part of it before, get into it. You know, if you've been in aviation or hospitality and you want to get out of it, come into the tech sector. It's amazing. Absolutely. And and then we used to use that platform to give sort of practical insights and advice on how to get into tech as well. So so those are some of the things that, that we did.
0: That's very interesting, and 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 you mentioned uh, the fact that you uh, you know in the beginning of the COVID everyone uh, started working from home um, internally. Is that it's that the situation right now in Harvey in Spain, or maybe in Harvey <laughs> well, Nash that you keep the, working from home? For those who can
1: can see this, yes, right now I'm at home. Yeah, uh, because yeah, UK is in a second lockdown until next Wednesday. Um, so yes, uh, we did start. To, we started to come back out into the office a couple of days a week, and that was great to, to see people, f- yeah, you know, physically face to face. But unfortunately, you know, there's a second wave, and we've had to go back to that. So yes, we are yeah. we are back here at home, um, but it's different. It's different. So we have learned to collaborate more digitally than, and actually, we've collaborated more, I think, better digitally than we did in person. So we've created. Wow boards now. So we've got a a, a global CSR
0: board, whereas before wait, just just to understand what you 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 said, you you meaning that you collaborating better online versus face to face? Is that?
1: Uh, uh, Yes, but maybe let me expand on that. Um, It's not so much that because you collaborating face to face is is always in my opinion, better. But being a global organization, such as Harvey Nash, it was Hmm. very hard to be able to do that. So Pre-COVID, it would be over a phone call, or it would be when that person travelled to that office oh, and we'd have a meeting. With the lockdown and the and the and the advent of Microsoft Teams and Zoom, we were speaking much more regularly to these people on on, on, on a much more frequent basis, and I think that helped with the overall group collaboration. And I think you know, going back to saying things, what what would we keep post-COVID? absolutely there is this greater feel of that we're all one business that we're all joined up actually the world has actually got smaller um and that we do collaborate a lot better um and as i said we've created things like um corporate social responsibility boards globally now whereas before we had pockets now there's a global board and there's a global talent board mm-hmm. now as well so i think those are the sort of things um, we've got more global learning sessions as well, internally from, you know, from recruitment. So we've got subject matter experts. It doesn't matter now, uh, lyrin if they are based in, you know, in Vietnam or in Sydney or, you know, in, in our New York offices or, uh, because actually we, we'll do it via, uh, you know, a, a team's setup. And, but we, we have a lot more global learning. So we've got subject matter experts around the world providing this extra uh, development so we've got greater access
0: that's that's amazing basically what you're saying is that the fact that uh, you had to start thinking about how you collaborating with your local team made you to better collaborate with your global team uh yeah. based on the same uh principles and methods that you invent that's very interesting um you think that post-covid um People will get back to offices as as uh, as before the COVID, or do you see any change going on there? No,
1: I definitely see change there. I think you know, honestly, we we have a huge office in, in London, um, uh, in the same uh, uh, tower as Salesforce, and we will not have such a large office, you know, at, when when we come to the end of our, our our lease there. We just don't need it so much. So I think that you're going to see a more of a flexible workforce, which I think is actually a good thing. I don't think it was healthy that we were always in there five days a week, nine hour plus days. I don't think that, that benefited anyone in it, if I'm honest with you. Um, but I think people, there's, there's no replicating face-to-face contact. And, and I've read a lot of, um, articles recently talk about how they're, they're concerned about innovation. And, and 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 how is that going to continue when everyone is remote? Because a lot of that innovation actually happens when you're having a coffee with someone, or you're having a you having lunch with people. That's when how innovation sparks. Agree. So so I definitely I will encourage you know when the time is right and it's safe to do so to, to encourage people to go back to the office. Um, but we will have smaller offices. I think we will have more flexible working. I think we'll have a smaller carbon footprint as well. I just don't think we'll travel to so many other uh, offices offices outside, you know, the UK or even throughout the UK. Um, so I think those are some of the things that will we'll definitely um, be here to stay.
0: That's um, I, I totally agree with you. That uh, eventually uh, it will be some blend between the the fact that um, there are big advantages of you know working from home versus the ability to come to office, to innovate, to think together, and it's going to be some sort of blend. And it's very interesting to hear from a global company like you guys that that's something that you're planning ahead of not getting back to where you've been. And, and that's all the interesting stuff that uh, we're going to experience post COVID. Um, so let's, uh, let's move uh, uh, to speak a bit about technology. Uh, a bit. Um, I know that you personally uh, are passionate about technology. I know that you are part of uh, uh, a big group within uh, Harvey Nash and Springs that, you know, uh, evaluating technology. So you see a lot of technologies and you see where it's fit in and where it's going to involve and it will be interesting to hear from you and to learn from your uh, experience regarding uh, where technology uh, um, is going to uh, um be involved uh, is going to be um affecting our businesses um looking forward so maybe we should start with um from your perspective today what are the main key areas that where you see that technology is mostly required and going to be uh, to affect things
1: yeah so i think if i look at right now um video interviewing 100% so yeah, you know, the rise of that um, absolutely um, I, I think more I think you'll find online events will continue as well Lyra, and I think that people will go back to face-to-face events but I think the online events are, are here to stay now um, I think um, remote onboarding will happen as well and, and people won't have such a need for that side of things
0: um, what, what you, uh, Robin? Can you tell us a bit more regarding um, each one of those aspects? When you speak about, for example, video interviewing, like sure. that technology was here um, for many years. Yeah. What makes you think that now, um, uh, or what exactly are the uh, new things that uh, video interviewing, from technology perspective, is going to bring, like to enable? Sure.
1: So you're right, it has been there for some time, but I think the adoption has been low. Right. So all of a sudden that has that has snowballed. And, and there's a much greater uh, adoption because it was a necessity, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I think more and more companies will do that. Now, where I think what benefit that provides is we are moving more towards a remote first or a remote, at least a remote plus way of working and what i mean by that is we're finding that more of our clients are looking at their engineering teams where they've typically had a real talent shortage and they're like okay we have survived for the last nine months with most of our people not being face to face what can we do as we get through this to ensure that we can that we can give ourselves access to the best candidates and i think that best candidates is no longer those that can actually physically get into the office it is those who are the best candidates globally so i think the video interviewing will continue because i think a lot of our a lot of our clients a lot of organizations around the world technology businesses will look to find the best candidates wherever they are globally of course time differences will always be an issue but you know that there's there's a there's a lot of you, you open yourself up to a lot more of a candidate base and a more diverse candidate base, by the way, Liren, as well. When yeah. you're not saying to people, you've got to be in the office five days a week. And it's one of the, the really exciting parts, I think, as we come out of this of, you know, and it's the same for our business. We no longer have to look for candidates for us, but also for our clients that can be in our office five days a week, get there at 8.30 and, and can leave at 6.30. You know, we can now identify candidates that maybe have to do school runs every day or who they're carers for for parents or or other people. We can look at those people now and say you could be an absolutely great fit for our organization or for our clients' organizations because you do not need to be physically in the office.
0: So let me get it right. Do you think that uh, looking forward uh, for now uh, um, from here? do you think that sphinx can evolve to become an agency that look for talents globally for for your clients yeah is that something that you're planning ahead
1: absolutely and 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 of course we've got a big um another potential uh obstacle which is brexit which is coming up so on december the 31st Mm. yeah that's coming up and that will restrict a lot of Europeans from coming straight over, you know, previous to that, we were part of the EU, which meant that the, you know, the European could come over and they didn't have to have a visa or anything else like that, that, that will change. Everyone will require a visa now, but it will be a, it will be opening up globally. So, so absolutely. You know, we've got to, we've got to make sure that we are in the front of the game and, and making sure that we are supporting our clients as best we can. So we, we, you know, we are, in fact, we've got an event next week purely on, the Brexit visa and how and the impact it's going to have to technology businesses in the UK. Um, but we are we're looking at global candidates now. You know that that has happened, and it's not to say that it wouldn't have happened any later. I think what what the COVID situation has accelerated
0: that. Yeah, and 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 that's another interesting point you you raise here because I would say that at least in that competitive event uh, environment, one of the key Advantage for agency was the fact that uh, the the localization effect, which means that you are well connected with your local network versus, I don't know, agency from uh, U.S. or from Israel. And now what you're saying is that that uh, differentiation is also something that is going to disappear because every agency is going to find try to find talents globally for the clients. Is that is that the situation?
1: I think I think it's a fair assessment. I don't know how. We, we still it's still too early to be able to tell exactly how our clients will react to having completely disparate teams, you know, around the world. You know, at the moment wow. they are they are doing it and they know they can do it. You'll be surprised maybe as you start be able to go back to go back into the office. It's interesting to see how many clients will then suddenly say, oh, actually, that remote first was purely due to. You know, concerns over people's health and safety. Now that that's no longer a problem because we have a vaccine, um, we would like people to start returning to the offices. Um, I hope it doesn't fully go back to that way, but I can understand yeah. why co- companies want to do that. You know, if I look at a lot of our startup and uh, scale-up clients, they are so successful because they build a culture, and to build a culture, you—it's really hard to do, build that remotely. Hey, and it's really hard to build that online. You know, you want to be able to be face to face, so I think there's definitely going to be some element of that. Where that would then mean, okay, so we don't mind if you are in the UK, perhaps, and you can be there, but we're going to need you to travel to the to the office at least two or three times a week. So again, yeah. that would then reduce the number of candidates that could be potentially suitable because you're not going to be able to get someone globally that be able to travel to the office
0: two or three yeah. times. Just to to contribute to the argument, I think that um, from the other end, you know, uh, one of the most ambitious tech projects in the world was done by people work remotely and never meet each other. I'm talking about uh, about Linux, right? Um, Mm. This operating system was developed by hundreds or thousands of engineers that never meet each other and collaborate and created the most sophisticated operating system in the world. So maybe... Um, from one hand, you're right. And the way we're thinking about culture is something that eventually uh, uh, will require us to meet in personally and to have th- that dynamic that we're so used to. But maybe, you know, the next generation, which is not you and me, yeah, uh, will think about uh, a new structure of companies and a way to collaborate and work which not requires any physical uh, uh, connection at all. I know it's said a bit, right? But maybe- It is.
1: It is. And, and I think you're right. I think we'll look back on this yeah, it's a watershed moment it, it, it is and i think you will see yeah you know, we've already seen huge acceleration in the uk of digital transformation projects like huge so a lot of yeah. projects that we knew were planned were coming up they were going to be planned for 21 or 2022 they brought those plans forward right so we're seeing yeah we will go through the greatest digital transformation i think that we have ever seen in the next two or three years that, that's a given so I so going I ask, to be a hell of a ride it is. Hey, it is. And this is why I like it. Hey, this is why yeah. it's good. Um, and I, th- I think you're right. I think there will be better products and platforms that mean that you can integrate better with teams remotely. I- I'm sure there are people working right now on that layer to say, okay, we think culture is an issue. What can we do? What can we create? Because that's what the beauty of technology is. It's constantly looking to, to innovate and looking to evolve. Um, I, I- I personally, as probably say, like yourself, I don't think you can beat the old fashioned face to face dialogue and conversation. But you're right. The next generation may not have that need um, to do that so much.
0: Yeah. So just uh, uh, to go back to technology, um, when we're speaking about staffing agency business, uh, yeah. in particular, when we think about technology. So what do you think, you know, from one hand, uh, I know that uh, staffing agencies are trying to build the tech stack and to automate things and to become more efficient. And um, um, there are so many um, offering and technologies out there that uh, can be implemented and create more efficient business. But from the other end, when we're talking about staffing agencies and, 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 and based on even the examples that you gave, eventually it's a it's a personal business. It's a it's a human business, right? It's a it human is. interaction. It's it's how you consulting your how you guide your <laughs> candidates, how you guide the companies. So how do you see eventually that synergy between technology and 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 the human uh, interaction going on within the staffing in, uh, agencies? Do you <laughs> think I, I will just sorry uh, refine sorry. my question? Do you think that eventually staffing agency can be fully automated business with no human touch at all? I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Only you. But, only you will uh, will will make sure that everything is working. Do you know what? <laughs> um,
1: honestly, Lyrium, you you never know exactly what's coming up. Maybe in, you know in the next ten years. As, as you know, as we talked at the beginning of this podcast, what did an agency look like ten years ago? To what it looks like now, it is so different, so yeah. different. And I'm excited. I think we're so much better now. And I'm genuinely excited about what, a, what a, the recruitment staff and industry is going to look like in the next 10 years. And we have absolutely got to adopt technology. You know, um, you, you rightly pointed out that I, I personally am, am passionate around technology and the synergy between technology and the human elements in in recruitment agencies. I, I'm also fortunate to um, chair the innovation board within the Harvey Nash group. So we get to see a lot of the products and platforms firsthand and, and there's some really exciting um, opportunities and potential businesses that are going to come through for that. What I personally see is I see a greater move to AI. So I do believe we will move in that direction, but you're still going to want the human element. And what I mean by that is I think a large part of the recruitment role should be automated. I generally do. I think there are there are tools and platforms out there now that, that can do that and probably do that better than, than, than the human. But they should only do it in order to free up time so we can be true advisors, true consultants. And we've using our knowledge, you know, and I hope I hope to think that over 20 years I picked up quite a bit of knowledge. I've definitely picked up quite a lot of experience. And if I feel that I can then spend more time helping companies scale strategically and help our candidates find the right opportunities for them, because there's AI in the background that's doing some of the heavier lifting, then that can only be a good thing for me um so
0: yeah i, I think so I think the, that's- so so the 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 um uh complementary way to look at it from let's say from ai driven business that doing all the matches for you and and find the right candidates and, and the right job opportunities uh where exactly is the human element cannot be replaced where where, where exactly is that point that you feel like no machine can replace that uh, that interaction. Where so is it? Uh,
1: so right now, not to say ever, but right now, I still think it, it's the understanding of the the client's needs and what the candidate really wants. And and I mean that you know sincerely because with the client, we'll will write a job description, but typically that job description isn't exactly what the client needs. Yeah, right. It, it, it's a job description, so yeah, we spend a lot of time talking and really you know, going deep into our clients what's their vision what's the culture of their business like you know and what we don't want to do is replicate lots of other people who are exactly like themselves and i think automation potentially could could do that so what we want to do is is add to that culture bring people in that maybe um, you know more diverse and make that whole business more inclusive and and, and i think Automation will support us on that, but I don't think it's it's there to replace us at the moment. Yeah, and then, and then we're there to help the candidates, you know. And again, I think a lot of candidates are confused. Um, yeah, you know, when they, when they look for a new opportunity, they they, they very they don't do it regularly. So each time they do it, it is it is new, it is unsure. And I think they like that human hand that guides them, that supports them, that is genuinely invested in them um yeah and, and i think that's that's where there is still that difference and it's the more time that we can spend doing that the, the better in my opinion
0: no absolutely and, and there's someone that you know dealing with uh, technology every day I can tell you that one one of the things that excited me about you know AI and uh, uh, and the recruiting space is that unlike let's say e-commerce space where you know someone looking for a watch they, they know exactly what they're looking for yeah in the recruiting space is very vague and very subjective and can change yep. from one moment to another meaning that if if a if a preference of clients two weeks ago uh, of finding a candidate was a after two weeks, it's going to be B. And yeah. machine don't know how to handle that, <laughs> those shifting, and they need someone to bridge it. And exactly. I think that eventually the human element will stay there in order to get the heartbeat of those changes and yeah. be able to translate it into the machine to operate yeah. and change accordingly. So I totally yeah. agree with you uh, uh, regarding it. Um, maybe the last question, Robin, for you um, would be, I you know how do you envision uh, and that's related to what we spoke about now how do you envision uh, a recruiting agency uh, 10 years from now like how do you see this kind of business um how it's going to be different from from what we have today
1: so i think first of all we're definitely going to still see recruitment agencies in 10 years right they're still going to be yeah. here definitely Also, <laughs> um,
0: that's a good but, they,
1: they, but they're not going to look or feel like they do today um i i think you're not going to have such uh large offices uh I, I don't think that's gonna be such a need for that i think there's gonna be greater flexibility in in the, the in the workspace i think we'll see the perfect blend of ai and human knowledge and insight and something else which i think is maybe slightly more not controversial but i think the direction of travel that sphinx is going is you're going to see the end of the generic recruiter and i think you're going to see an increase in subject matter expertise so i think clients are going to want more from from their from their recruiting partners is what i'm really saying and it's they're going to want them to really understand their business really want to be partners to that and i think we're already seeing that now you know we're seeing the rise of the on-site solution Lyran which, you know, we've got our own version of, of that, but there are a lot of other companies that are doing that, where you are really partnering with that organisation. You are invested in that company's growth and you are physically, when you can be, <laughs> in, you know, pre-COVID, sitting on site with that client, learning about that client, understanding that client, supporting that client, whilst also having the breadth and, you uh, of, of the breadth of community that you can reach out to, as well, and I think that's why the on-site solution is kind of you know offers the best of both. Of us. So I think you're going to see that continue. Uh, we're already beginning to see companies move more in that direction, and I think that you know in ten years' time, if you can see anything, I think will will grow exponentially. I think it'll be the on-site solution because I think that will give clients what they've wanted a lot a long time, which is recruitment partners that really genuinely care about
0: them. Um, and I think you'll you'll get that with that solution. Very interesting. And you think that eventually the, the the recruiting industry is going to consolidate or going to more fragmented? Like what do you think will be the trend from that mm-hmm. standpoint?
1: It's interesting I do not I d I I don't I don't know if there's an obvious answer yet. I, I, I think it will probably be more fragmented. I think you're gonna see some of the there are obviously a lot of the big players and they will look to, you know, um uh, merge uh, potentially and, and acquire other businesses, but what typically happens after any crisis, whether it be credit crunch or you know the pandemic, is you see this b- b- boom of ingenuity and you know uh, entrepreneurialism. And I think you're yeah. going to see a lot of that coming through there. And I think you're going to see a lot of people that have been in this industry go, hey, you know what? I can do this better than the big players. I, 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 you know, it's a more personal touch. I'm going to go and do this. So I think you're going to see uh, an increase, at least initially, of a lot of smaller recruitment businesses pop up with with very innovative ways of dealing with, with, with the issues that their clients have. And I think those bigger organizations, those, 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 you know, those, those giants within the staffing industry, are going to have to react because that's what the client wants. They want to know that they are absolutely integral to that, to that business.
0: Very interesting. Okay, Robin, unfortunately we got to the end of our episode. Um, It's super great to host you, Robin, and hear your perspective about the market and the changes we are facing, which are dramatically, and that's uh, the key reason why we both in that market probably. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. And I'm looking forward to speak again uh, in next few years and see how we keep changing.
1: We will do, Lira. And thank you very much for hosting me. Thank you.